This is episode number 197 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Everybody, welcome back to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. On this episode, we're finishing up our three-part series on storytelling. So far, basically, we've covered the value of inserting stories into a formal presentation. We did that last week as a review the examples, the stories, those things that you put into your presentation, they help you reduce nervousness, build rapport with your audience. They, they make your content more entertaining and more memorable. So um, very important to insert stories into your presentations. We also covered a simple five-step process to help you become a better storyteller. So this week, we're going to focus on how to remember stories or experiences from your life and, and how to pick stories to tell that help you make your point in, in your presentation. So we're going to kind of go through some really simple things that you can do to catalog your, your stories a little bit better and kind of pick the right, pre, the right story for the right presentation. By the way, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, make sure to leave a comment or a review. Uh, if, you, if you like the podcast and you want us to kind of keep doing it, that's an easy way to kind of help us because um, every time folks see a, a comment from, from somebody that likes the, the likes to listen to the, the podcast, it's going to help the podcast grow and we're going to be able to, to reach more people. Also, don't forget about our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Fearless Presentations Online. Um, it, that's all one word without punctuation, Fearless Presentations Online, or you can just search for Fearless Presentations in the search bar on YouTube and you'll, and you'll find it. The episode is sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear and become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in Dallas, Austin, Miami, Charlotte, Minneapolis, Philadelphia, Houston, and Phoenix. All those are in the next few months. We've also got another virtual class scheduled. That, that's almost full, by the way. So if you happen to be in a city that I didn't call and you're looking for a seat in, in a virtual class, then uh, make sure and register for that right away because that that's most likely going to fill up sometime in the next couple of weeks. And we're still you know a month and a half out from, from that class actually starting. Uh, for, for details about any of those classes um, or to find a, a, a schedule of when a class is going to be coming into your area, just go to fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with how to remember, remember stories from your life to insert them into your presentations. So just as a reminder, this is part three of a three-part series on how to tell stories in your speech. And in the first two episodes, we talked about the value of stories. You know, if you recall, statistics and data are, are forgotten really quickly by your audience. Um, your audience, by the way, will also want to play devil's advocate. They want to kind of poke holes in facts, figures, statistics. And, and a lot of times we think that facts are our friends or statistics are our friends, but in reality, they can become argumentative. They, they make 
the, the people in the audience want to kind of argue with us. Stories have the opposite effect, though, in fact. So if you want to get data and, and facts and figures and things like that into your presentation, a good way to do that is to tell them the story about where that data came from. Tell them about how you came across that. And, uh, and it's an easy way to kind of win people to your way of thinking. So we covered that last week. And then the week before, we focused on how to actually tell a good story. So we, I gave you a five-step process to help you become a better storyteller. Um, so once you understand the value of inserting stories into your presentations, and you know, most people want to say, well, how, do, how exactly do you do that? So if you're in that boat, make sure and go back a couple of episodes because we gave you a really quick, easy step-by-step process that makes it really easy to, to tell a story. Um, what happens a lot, though, when, especially when I'm teaching classes, more often, not necessarily in my classes, because I teach people how to tell great stories in my classes, but sometimes what will happen is people will see me on stage, I'll be doing a, a motivational speech, or I'll be doing a, a shortened presentation where maybe I'm speaking for 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, some, some, something like that, and an audience member will kind of greet me as I'm coming off the stage and say, how in the world do you remember all those stories? And actually remembering stories from your life is actually, is, it's really easy. It's a pretty easy thing to do. Keeping track of all of them and be, being able to recall the perfect story at the perfect time, that's a little bit harder. So basically on this episode, I'm going to give you a few of the secrets, the things that I use to, they're just really, really simple ways to remember great stories, as well as how to recognize when a success that you've had will make a great story and be able to recall details of that so that you can insert that into your presentations as, as evidence that the point that you're making is true. Um, so those things are all really, really important. We're going to cover those in, in the session today. So let's kind of talk about the first part, which is the what most people kind of struggle with is how do I how do I remember stories? How do I I've got these experiences? Um, how do I how do I remember these things? And and especially if you're put on the spot, especially if somebody's interrupting you with a question or we're kind of feeling pressured. Um, so we know that stories are a fantastic piece of evidence during the formal presentation. We talk, we focused on that in previous sessions. However, stories are also fantastic as answers to tough questions during question and answer sessions. Uh, by the way, just so you know, you probably, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you, you may know that I'm not a big fan of formal question and answer periods. They just to me that I don't see that they have a whole lot of value, and you can kind of you can go back and listen to one of the earlier sessions and, and figure out why. But um, the questions will pop up during during your pre, during your presentation all the time. In fact, you want them to. You want if somebody is is confused about something that you've said, you want them to kind of ask a question. But when you're under a a deadline or um, or you're currently in front of a very tough audience, um, it can sometimes be difficult to uh, to use a story as a way to answer that question. But it is a, it's the one of the most powerful ways to answer a question. So how do you remember these things? So three challenges occur when we're asked a, a tough question from the audience. Or, or even if we're just kind of put on put on the spot, doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a question from the audience. But somehow, somebody in the room puts us on the spot. And first, the first thing that happens is panic sets in, and when we panic, it's very, very difficult to think clearly. The second thing that happens is that the negative self talk 
can make us feel more uncomfortable when we're already feeling anxious in the first place. And then finally, and really the most devastating is we start to second guess ourselves constantly during the process. So um, just keep in mind, one of the, one of the big things that is important as you, as that panic starts to set in and to kind of calm the panic down is that the story that you choose to tell or the, the way that you tell it doesn't have to be perfect. So that final thing that happens when we start to second guess ourselves, it's really easy to fix. Well, I, let me change that. It's it's really not easy. It's 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 a simple thing to fix, but it's not really easy. Mainly, you have to realize that there are no perfect stories. Now we're trying to come up with the perfect story that's going to answer this question. We're going to try to come up with the perfect story that's going to wow the audience and prove that what I'm telling them is true. There is no perfect story. Right. And and so once you kind of come to terms with that, it's it reduces that that tension that you feel pretty dramatically. And so and the second thing that you have to realize is that any story is better than no story. So there is no perfect story. And any story that you tell is better than not telling any story at all. So once you kind of understand those two things, public speaking becomes pretty dang simple. So even the even the lamest story has more credibility than a mountain of internet research. You know, um, for a view of this, you know, make sure that you kind of go back and listen to the session that I did about how to persuade your audience. Um, in fact, we'll put, I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put a link to that in the show notes because we cover that in great detail about how facts and figures are not necessarily the best way to win people to your way of thinking. They make, they make your audience kind of argue with you. They were actually forcing the, the, the audience to kind of play devil's advocate. So if you, instead of reciting a, a laundry list of facts and figures, if you can get into a single incident, a single story, even if that story is not really compelling, it will work a whole lot better as far as being persuasive than the mountain of facts and data. Um, I, I'll give you a good example of this. Last year, I was teaching a class on uh, how to create a persuasive speech with a challenging audience. Um, and in the last 20 years as a coach, by the way, I've been able to pick up on visual cues from the participants when they're struggling. And as one of the class members was attempting to, to use the technique I was teaching, I saw her kind of shaking her head back and forth. Uh, that shake back and forth, basically what's happening is in that person's head, internally, that, that talk, the self-talk that they have is just saying, nope, <laughs> nope, I can't do this. I can't remember this. This is not good for me, right? So anytime you kind of see that, I, as a coach, I've kind of realized that that's a, that's a telltale sign that somebody's self-talk is being negative and, and they're having a tough time with what, what I'm teaching them, right? So um, I stopped her immediately. I stopped her immediately. And, and I said, hey, you just thought of a great story. But then you talked yourself out of it, saying basically, um, what, what, and, and at that point, I just started asking her questions about it because she was, we were going through the process, you know, she came up with in her head, a story popped in her head and she kind of shook her head. Right. So when I saw that, I was like, Ooh, whatever it was that you just said, wasn't good enough. Let's, let's hear it. Let's, let's um, delve into this. And so we spent the next minute and a half or so really captivating that, that audience. She did. She, I, the more questions that I asked, the more captivating her answers became. It was, the story that she was telling was funny. It was self-deprecating. It was, it, was really, it was a really, really good story. And then after she finished, I said, so you talked yourself out of telling that story. Why did you do that? And she replied saying that she thought it might be embarrassing. 
And one of her classmates immediately responded by saying, what? You didn't, you would, you didn't want us to realize that you were human, right? So and that's the way most people kind of are. Everybody, everybody kind of laughed when she said that. And just like in, in this case, most often our initial, our initial response is correct. That first image that, we, that popped into our head, which was a great story, is probably going to be a great story. It's usually the second guessing that causes us embarrassment when we say, nope, that one's not going to work. And then another one pops in her head. Nope, that one's not going to work either. And then another one pops in her head. Nope, that one's not going to work either. Now we've talked ourselves out of three really, really good stories. And now we're like, I got no story. And so we start reciting facts and figures and data. And as a result, the audience never gets persuaded. Um, Just realize that your brain is this fantastic hard drive with impeccable recall for stories. So you got to kind of trust yourself. Your your brain is an, it, it has an amazing capacity to remember stories from your life. You just got to trust that you're you're not going to you're not going to trick yourself, right? Your brain's not going to trick you. Um, it, the hard drive is flawless by the way. The the problem occurs with what we call filters. So the the brain has a tremendous number of filters that keep important things easy to recall. If the brain didn't have these filters, we'd all be schizophrenic, you know. So the important thing to remember Okay, I didn't really mean a pun there, but I'm going to pretend like I did. So the important thing to remember is that whatever you tell your brain is going to be the truth. For instance, if you tell yourself, I'm just not a good storyteller, or I can never think of good stories, then guess what? You're going to be right. However, the opposite is true as well. If you tell yourself, oh, I've got the perfect story for this bullet point, an image is going to pop into your mind. And that image is a representation of a story from your experience, a, a memory that you have. So just, just so you can kind of see how this works, let's, let's try this, right? So um, I'm going to, I'm going to say something out loud and all I want you to do is, is internally, or you can do it externally if you're, if you're by yourself in your car or something like that, just all you have to do is once I say this thing, just pause for, after I pause for a second, just say, I've got a good story for that. That's all you got to do. I'm going to read something to you. And all you have to do is just say, Oh, great. I've got a great story for that. I've got a good story for that. Um, so, so here's the, here's the phrase, right? I'm, I'm just going to say the phrase you say, Ooh, I've got a great story for that. Here's the phrase. If you pay attention to details, you will save yourself a lot of frustration. Just think about it for a second. Just say, oh, I've got the perfect story for that. And most likely, if you did that, if you kind of went through the process, and if you didn't, shame on you. This is a, this is like really good, effective use of your time right now, because this is something that can pull you out of some of the toughest situations when you're actually in, in the designing a presentation or in the middle of a presentation, somebody asks you a tough question, right? So uh, there's a good chance that, after I kind of read to you or stated that that phrase to you, if you said, "Ooh, I've got the perfect story for that," there, there's a good chance that an image kind of popped into your head. Something—it was a memory, something that happened to you where it was important for you to pay attention to the details. And it might have been most likely, by the way, it's going to be sometime when you didn't pay attention to the details, and as a result, something came back to bite you in the rear, right? For instance, it might be a time when you missed a deadline, or it might be a time that you signed a contract without reading the fine print. And as a result, it, the, some of the stipulations in that contract were pretty challenging. So those images that pop into your head, those are memories. And that's 
that's an easy way to uh, to remember a really, really good story if you're put on the spot or if somebody asks you a question. When you're actually designing formal presentations, it, it, it's actually a little easier because you can actually catalog great stories so that you never have to remember these things, right? So people always ask me, hey, why? how do you remember all these stories? I don't. Basically, when something really cool happens, when something is really important and I've come up with a new solution to something, I just catalog. I just write down some notes somewhere. I don't have to remember it that, at that point, right? Um, by the way, I learned this technique you know, um, very early in, in my career and, and I've, I've gotten pretty good at it. But, but when I started in sales, this technique actually helped helped me help a lot of customers because when, when I was speaking to a person who needed my product or service, I, I just I would just pause for a second and then I'd try to think of somebody else that I had helped who was in a similar situation to that person. And then I just quickly share with that that person the success that I had with the other customer. And um, just before I started working with, started the Leaders Institute, though, I, I for a short term, I was um, working with a leadership coach in Dallas. And by the way, this guy was a fantastic coach. We only spent a couple of years together. I learned a lot from him, though, in that couple of years that, that we were working together. He was, he was also a successful consultant. So he basically had done what I wanted to do. He started his own company and had lots of customers and that kind of thing. And on one occasion, he and I were going in to meet a man who owned an electric company and he needed he needed some help. And so we arrived at his office about 20 minutes early and I opened the car door uh, to get out. And, and my partner, he said, hey, wait, 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 wait. Hey, we have to, we who have we worked with recently who is in an industry similar to this one? And I had to think about it for a second. And I came up with a couple right away and he came up with like six more. <laughs> so it didn't hit me until halfway through the meeting that we were having with this guy, what, why he had done this, because he wanted to make sure he was moving important information to the front of his brain. He knew that sooner or later in that sales process is the person that we were talking to was going to say, Hey, who, who else have you done this for? You know, um, how, how is this going to help me and my industry and that kind of thing? He knew those questions were going to come up. So he had, by the time he walked in the room, he had eight answers. He had eight really good success stories to use at will. And he only used two or three of them, by the way, but I was impressed. And, and I learned a valuable lesson, you know, planning my stories ahead of time makes the stories much, much, much better and a whole lot easier to tell. So basically, you, you if you have a way to kind of catalog the stories, the great successes that you've had, it makes it a whole lot easier to recall them when you're when you're under pressure. Um, one of the ways that I've kind of learned to do this over the years is, and this is one of my kind of super secret type of tips, is that you can use your phone notepad to catalog catalog these great stories. And you can do it while events are happening in real time. So this anytime a challenge occurs, something totally out of the ordinary that you were not expecting and you find a solution for that and everything kind of comes out um, effectively because of some new thing that you learned or some new thing that you did. What, I, what I'll do in that situation, I just kind of pull out my iPhone, I pull up the notepad, it's, it, it comes, I mean, they're on every smartphone now, and I just start taking notes. I just take notes of that thing that happened. And um, a lot of times, by the way, those if you, if, you, if you don't know where this thing is on your phone, it's most likely on that very first homepage on your, on your phone, and it's 
probably one of those things that you've seen for years and years and years and may not have ever used. Um, when, but when interesting things happen to me or when funny things happen, I'll, I'll pull out my phone. I'll just type a note to myself. For instance, um, a while back, I, I was uh, I was doing one of our team building murder mystery events for a military school near Tampa. And I went in ahead of time and trained a few of their their teachers and administrators to be my quote unquote actors. So we basically they were they were going to play a role in in the activity. It was really fun. And by the way, it was hilarious. And the teams you know competed to identify the correct fake murderer along with a bunch of bonus crimes. So it's it's a really fun activity that we do. But one of the teams scored the absolute highest score I've ever seen. I mean, we, I've been doing this thing for probably 10 or 15 years or so, and and very rarely do teams score, you know, like like unbelievably high in the in the final scores. In fact, in, in a lot of cases, they don't know this, but if they falsely accuse somebody, we we actually take away points. And so in in some cases, it's kind of funny when we read out the the scores at the end because some people, some teams end up with like minus 20 or minus six and that kind of thing. So um this one scored scored, you know, luck up out of I think I think the maximum score is like 64, I think we calculated up as one at one time. And the, the team that we were scoring ended up in the 50s, which was way higher than anybody else had ever done, right? Um, it, what was funny, though, is that I commented about it from the stage. So I'm on the stage and, and commented about how this is the highest score that any team had ever gotten. And you guys should be proud of yourself and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, the entire group both laughed and groaned at the same time. And so I was kind of surprised. It was a weird reaction. So some people were kind of laughing and then other people were like, oh, yeah, sure. Right. And I'm like, and I heard one of the participants kind of shout from the back. He said, well, yeah, that's because they had John on their team. Right. And um, I, I kind of, I, I, by this time I knew who John was because I'd been interacting with the group. And I said, have you had some experience in this area? And he laughed and he said, yeah, a little. He said, I was a homicide detective for 22 years. So this was a murder mystery that the homicide detective aced, right? So apparently he was, during the time that he was a homicide detective, he was 22 and 0 on convictions as a detective. So, I mean, I hadn't, when when this event occurred, when this event, when this um, action occurred, it was so noticed, something totally out of the ordinary that I kind of made a note from it. And I had no idea how well I was going to use that in, in a, a future presentation or a future session, but you know, it was one of the first things that I recalled here on this. And basically, it's I can use that easily on in other present presentations and that kind of thing. Okay, so I've saved this last little tip. Uh, this is really the best. This is the best thing that you can do to uh, catalog great stories and get good good examples and memories to to tell audiences when you're when you're speaking in front of a group. And that is, you want to share success stories at your team meetings. Um, the easiest way to remember stories from your life is to share them frequently with your team. Um, when, like, for instance, when my team gets together, um, we, we always start the meeting with what we call good news. Now, granted, sometimes it takes a little prodding, right? For instance, at, at, um, at a, typical, a typical meeting, uh, I'll start with something like, hey, so guys, last week we did programs for... DuPont, Fidelity, Marvel, Fort Sam Houston Army Base, Chorus, that's a that's a company in Canada, 
a, a preschool. We did an event for a preschool. We did a, an event for a military school, a high school in California, and the University of Illinois at Chicago. So who's got a great success story to share? If I just say, if I just start out with, hey, who wants to share some good news? And it's like dead silence. But if I, if I tell them or if I remind them about these great companies that we worked with, these organizations that we worked with last week, then it's real easy for them to kind of say, oh, God, yeah, I did that event for Marvel last week. That was freaking awesome. That was fantastic, right? And now all of a sudden, whoever it was that did that event for Marvel is going to kind of tell us what happened. Um, and for the folks that that did the event at the preschool, as soon as we say, as soon as I kind of bring that up, then there's a good chance that even if the person who did that event doesn't want to share what happened at that event, somebody's going to ask further questions. We did, we did some for preschool. What did we do? You know, what was the event? And then the person will kind of jump in. The cool thing about doing this is that when we share, sharing these success stories, they help, it helps in a couple of different ways. First, these stories help build morale because anytime that you're sharing happy things that, that we've done as a company where the end user, is, we're getting feedback from the end user and that kind of thing. That's the, that's what what um, kind of builds the morale within the organization. Many of the team members that we have, many of the many of the folks who kind of help us are on. We've got folks that are in logistics that do shipping. We've got folks that are in marketing. We've got folks that are that do finance. Those kind of things that they most of the time are not going to have the end user successes and in, in, they're not going to see what the, the success of the things that they did um, amount to, right? So basically by sharing some of these stories in staff meetings, it makes it a little bit easier for, for folks that aren't working um, on the, the front line with the, the customers to kind of hear some of our success stories as well. The second thing that happens though is that no one's going to tell the world about your successes if you don't. Right? There are a bunch of successful companies out in the world who very few people have ever even heard of. And it's because they keep their success stories to themselves. They don't go out and tell people what they've done. Right? I'll, I'll give you a good example of this. I, I was uh, back when I first started in the, the training industry, I was, I was in Abilene, Texas, little bitty town little city. And, uh, and I was just kind of calling on, I had a territory and my, my boss said, Hey, just go call on all the, all the businesses in that territory, which is a really tough way to make a living by the way. But you know, that's how it was, that's how it was, how I was getting started. And uh, I, I, the building that I went to had all of the windows were kind of were black. They were, they were painted over. It was a, it was a glass building, like a, like a um, strip mall type building, but all of the windows were black. And, and there was like this big, heavy lock and it said deliver there was a sign on the door that said delivery should be made to X or whatever. And, and um, so I, but you know, my boss told me to go to all the businesses and I was, I was afraid it might be, a, I didn't know what it was I, in my head. I'm thinking it must be a strip joint or something, you know, something, there's something weird about this building. Right. So I, I kind of try to open the door. It's locked and I'm starting to walk away. And, and as I start to walk away, the door kind of opens and the guy says, can I help you? And I kind of told him who I was and, and uh, that I was, uh, I was a coach that did leadership training and and that kind of thing. And he said, man, we've been looking for something like that. And, and I was like, what, what exactly do you do here? Turns out that this, the company that I was calling on was um, one of the vendors for the Texas lottery. 
So, I mean, they didn't want to advertise that's what they were doing. They were the marketing firm for the Texas lottery. They didn't want to advertise that because they were afraid people were going to break in and think that that's where the millions of dollars were stored. It wasn't, by the way, but there was a lot of secure stuff that was in that building. And they, they just they, they couldn't let the world know who they were. The interesting thing about that group is that they were phenomenal at what they did. They had some of the best track record of, of, of any marketing firm that I'd come in contact with. And, uh, but the thing was, is that they couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> they couldn't tell anybody what they were doing. A lot of small businesses are that way too. They are, we have the ability to tell people that uh, some of the great things that we're doing, but we don't. So as a result, you know, it's, it's the secret, you know, we, our, our success is really a secret. So, you can go through all these processes to help you remember these stories, but that's not going to really help you unless you're actually out telling these stories. Um, so it's not just enough to remember the stories from your life. You've got to actually go out and share these stories with your audience, share your successes, share your failures, tell them how you learn from that failure so that, that you've, you've made, you hey, I made a mistake in the past, but I learned from that. And as a result, I'm not going to make that mistake again, right? When you do those things, you don't have to spend as much time trying to figure out the road to success. Your stories will help you get there much, much, much faster. All right. So thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast, y'all. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.